You're listening to episode 53 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up with personal brand and freedom stylist, Elizabeth Hartke. Each week, Elizabeth brings you the tools you need to create a life of true freedom and fulfillment by scaling and monetizing your personal brand. Get clarity, become a leader in your field and make an impact that pays. Grab your favorite healthy smoothie or beer and let's get to the show. Okay, so this intro, you're going to get me with my straight up rusty little man voice. I am battling some laryngitis, but the show must go on. And this particular show is going to blow you away. I don't even know where to start with what you're actually going to get out of this incredible episode on closing the sale. I had sales maven. She is amazing. Nikki Rausch on the episode. And honestly, I didn't expect what was going to come out of it. I was taking notes so fervently. And I even went back and have listened to this recording twice because the value that Nikki brings to the table. And it's stuff that I want to apply in my business. Things that, you know, I've been doing sales and marketing and all of those things for so many years. I even have an episode on how to sell anything. I understand selling. But Nikki, she took it to a whole new level of how to build relationships and how to close the sale, especially when you're struggling with that. Nikki is the founder and CEO of Sales Maven, where she took her 25 years of sales experience and she decided she was going to help other entrepreneurs learn to sell in an, this is the key, authentic way. Because sales can feel icky and weird for people. And Nikki, she teaches us how to do it naturally. She teaches us how to do it right. And with the people that we're selling to in mind, like with their heart and what they need most in mind. So she teaches how to build those true relationships and create connection and ultimately get the result of more closed deals and long-term clients. She's sold to organizations like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, ever heard of it? HP, NASA. She is a warrior in this space. So If you have a business, you're selling something. You need today's episode with Nikki Rausch. Today's five-star review of the day is from VTJKT. Got that? All of the other podcasts I listen to have been recommended to me, and most are indeed up my alley, but this podcast is just what I was looking for. She's speaking right to me by sharing her experiences and how I can use what she's learned and actually apply it in my own life. Thank you. I'm so grateful our paths crossed. Thank you for taking the time to write that review. And I feel that same way. Every time I have someone reach out and share their experience with the podcast, share that they've gotten something out of it, I'm so grateful that our paths crossed too, because that's why I started this in the first place. So keep telling me how you're utilizing what you're learning and keep leaning into reaching out and letting me know what I can bring to you guys to help serve you better. Okay, let's get to the show. Okay, I am so pumped to have you on, Nikki. I have been dying to have on a sales expert because this is a topic that equally scares people to talk about, but also something that they're seeking out, you know, secretively like, I want to know how to do this better, but I'm afraid to even talk about it. And it's just that concept of sales. So before we get into the nitty gritty, the strategy behind selling, I would love to know a little bit more about you and just what led you here. 
Well, first of all, thank you for having me as a guest. I'm excited to talk to you. I've been looking forward to this. So what led me here to do this is I have a background in, I was a professional sales rep in the technology space for 17 years, selling to big companies, closing six figures and even seven figure deals. And I also kind of when I was working in my corporate job, I got really interested in how can I be a better communicator? So I started studying neuro-linguistic programming. And if you've never heard that term before, it sounds like super scientific, but it's really the study of communication, the way that we you know, speak, the way that we think, the habits and patterns. And so when I started kind of getting that inkling that, oh gosh, there should be something more fulfilling in my life, I wasn't sure what to do. And I ended up leaving my corporate job to go help build somebody else's business. And it was my NLP teacher's business that I was helping to build. And that is when I started spending time around entrepreneurs because I was you know, selling her... She had training courses. So I was selling her training courses. And I was spending time around entrepreneurs. And I realized that just like what you said, people know they need to learn about sales, but they're sometimes a little bit afraid to ask and like, you know, do you even want to admit that you're uncomfortable with it? Or are you so uncomfortable with it? You're just going to shy away like crazy. But as I started spending time around these entrepreneurs, I was just so inspired by how passionate they are about their purpose and being, you know, of service to the world. And most of them really struggled with the sales conversation. And for me, because I'd been doing it for so long, and I was really comfortable with the, the conversation side of sales. I started helping people on the side, really just because I wanted to see them be successful. And finally, somebody pulled me aside and said, like, why aren't you doing this for a business? Like, People will pay you money for you to teach them these skills. I, I really believe in teaching structure and process so that your own like authentic personality can come through. But I think if people don't understand, like, what's the process? Like, What's the step-by-step process? then it does feel overwhelming and scary. And so that's the piece that I'm, I'm good at teaching. And so that's what I do now. That's awesome. Okay. So I want to stay there for a second because there are a lot of entrepreneurs listening and aspiring entrepreneurs. And I know they like to geek out on how other people took a skill set that they had, like selling for you, and turned it into a monetizable business. So when did you take that leap? And what was that process like? Like, were you still working full-time? Were you Did you just go all in? Has it been a gradual, ongoing process? I would just love to hear more about it. Well, I wouldn't necessarily recommend my way of doing that (laughs) if you're, because there is something about like I, I probably should have planned a little bit better, but I was so burnt out. I had taken a job in the the corporate kind of arena, and I realized three days in to the job that this was not the right fit for me. Like culturally, it just didn't mesh with the way that I wanted to sell and build relationships with clients. But I I tried to like stick it out. Like I really was gritting my teeth through the whole thing. And I stayed for about a year, but I was so... Like I just was struggling every single day to be at this company in the culture. And it wasn't like... It's not that the company was bad. It just wasn't a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. And so I really did something drastic. Like I quit and I quit with this idea that I was going to go help my NLP teacher build her business. And I think because I had this skill set around sales, I was like, well, I know I can sell anything. Like I'm really convinced. It doesn't matter what your product or what your service is because I'm so committed to the relationship side, I can sell it. 
But it turned out she didn't really want to work as much as I needed her to work in order to sell enough to make the kind of money that I was used to making. So it wasn't the best, you know, financially, it was pretty, it was pretty lean the first couple of years. Mm -hmm. And this idea of taking this step and starting my own business, that wasn't really the intention for me. It was more around people saying like, why don't you offer this? Like, why aren't you helping people with this? And I think this is, maybe this is true for a lot of people. Sometimes the things that come easy to us or feel easy at this point because we know them so well, we don't think people will pay money for it. Right. But it, you know, but really it's the things that seem easy to you that people will pay you the most money to learn. Yeah. And so take that for granted. Totally take it for granted. And I did. And actually when my, this friend of mine who I was coaching and she was getting great results. And honestly, I wouldn't even touch the term coach back then because it felt really like, I'm not a coach. Like I, I haven't been to coaching training. Like I don't know what that means. And when she first said it to me, my response to her was, that seems dumb. Like why would anybody pay me? But she was like, just try. Like just create an LLC and make an offer out into the world. And so I did. And people did start hiring me. And the one thing I will say, I think as an entrepreneur, or if you're somebody who's thinking about it, you do have to have an offer. Like that's the most important thing, I think, to get started because you need to know, will people pay money for this or not? Right. There's no shame in putting something out there and then learning from that answer because sometimes the answer is no. And it's yeah. like, okay, now I can pivot and I can move into something that an offer that will sell based on what I'm learning from my audience. And I also don't think, I don't know if this is the same for you, but I feel like, you know, what I'm doing now and the kind of offers that I have today, I never in my wildest dreams when I started my business thought this is how I would make money. Like I just thought I would just do one or two hour coaching sessions with people around sales and that would be enough. Like they, I, I could give them everything they needed in two hours. That I was convinced of that, which I now know is that's a big, tall order. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I would love to talk a little bit more about how you stepped into those offerings. But before we do that, I have a question for you because you've obviously been exposed to a lot of people who need this, like who need to step into sales in a more bold way. Why do you think selling? is such a taboo thing for some people. Like they skirt around it, like it's possible to run a business without selling. Well, I think it's because, well, one, it's an easy, like you always see people, you know, if you're watching a show or a movie or something, like they're always going to show you the like schmarmy salesperson, you know, and they're going to make a joke about it. And it's not that those people aren't out there, but I think one of the drawbacks is that our society has changed, I think. And the way that we want people to engage with us has changed. And so that, old, that I call it old style, you know, way of selling, which is like the shotgun approach. Like I'm going to just blast everybody, you know, and try to convince them to buy from me. Like nobody wants to be convinced anymore of anything. Right. And we don't want to feel manipulated and used and we don't want to feel like we're just big dollar signs. So of course that would scare people off because if somebody, if you thought that that's how you're supposed to sell, like who would want to do that? I wouldn't. You know, like if, if somebody said, Nikki, you have to be aggressive and you have to push people and, you know, don't take no for an answer. Like if I ever believed that, I would have never made it in my career as a salesperson because I'm just not the type of personality that is going to like, 
question somebody, if they say no to me, like no means no. Like I'm okay with no. I'm totally okay with getting a no and not having to be this aggressive person of like, well, if you don't do this, then, you know, your life is going to fall apart or like, you know, have this scary, like the sky is falling type approach. So I just think it's been, you know, it's kind of a joke. You know, when you think about salespeople, it's an easy joke to go to. Mm -hmm. And we've all seen it done horrible. Yeah. And to me, I tell people all the time when I'm mentoring my one-on-one clients or people in my mastermind who have this fear, it's like, but I don't want to be salesy. Like, I don't want to be that person. It's like, great, don't take evidence from the people that you see that are doing it wrong, that are creating a bad rep for people like us that are trying to make offerings in the world that are going to serve people mm-hmm. and use that as a blueprint of exactly what not to do. It's just as valuable sometimes as someone coming to you saying, do this, you know what not to do at the same time. So, all right, let's get into it a little bit because I'm a nerd. I like talking about <laughs> this stuff. I like, I love marketing. I love sales. I think it's something I used to fear until I understood what it really was and, and where, when it comes from the heart, the power of it not just for me and my business, but for the people whose lives can be impacted when I have the courage to put it out there. So you've sold to organizations like, you know, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, NASA, Hewlett Packard, like crazy. This is so you have the experience and then you shifted from that corporate space. You took that experience. You now teach entrepreneurs how to sell in ways that focus on relationship building and enhancing those connections and helping them ultimately get the results that they're looking for. Do you feel like there's never a secret, but I'm going to humor the people who think there's a secret. Do you think there's some secret or I don't know, like a nucleus to selling that everybody should know? My answer to that is put the relationship first Mm, because we sometimes act like we're selling to an entity. You're never selling to an entity. You're always selling to a person. And so it is about the relationship first. And if you don't have, I mean, the foundation of every single thing I teach is based on rapport. And if you don't have rapport with somebody, the idea of you getting that business or really, I'm going to say earning that business is slim to none chance if you don't have rapport with somebody. So you put the relationship first and it takes some of the pressure off. And this doesn't mean, because I know sometimes people are like, well, I don't want to have to sell to my friends and family. Like that's scary too. But the idea is we're not trying to convince people. We're not trying to make up a need or a want or a desire that the other person doesn't have. What we're trying to do is understand what is their need, their want, their desire, and do I have something that is going to be of service to them, is going to fulfill their life in some way, make something for them better, something for them to enjoy or something for them to learn and prosper with. And if the answer is yes to those questions, then really in truth, you are doing a disservice by not putting it out there, by not offering it to somebody. Because sometimes until you offer it, people don't even know what's possible for them. Right. Absolutely. And to to add to that, if the answer is no, like if they are not your ideal client because you don't have something that will ultimately serve them in one of those capacities that you mentioned, it's also okay to turn away and go to someone who you can serve. Like it's not just because someone has a pulse, they're your people. (laughs) And you want to get to a place where you're, you're building your offerings that really fit the ideal people that you're trying to serve. 
and not worry about the ones that are not right, the right fit. Like you don't want to have this selling from a place of desperation because that's where that fear of being salesy will come in. Like when you're selling from a, I have a quota to hit, I have a mission. How is this going to benefit me? You come off salesy. Like that's one of the root causes of why people come off in the wrong way. They're not doing it for someone else. They're doing it for themselves. I'm so glad you brought that up. I know a lot of our our listeners have either high ticket one-on-one packages or high-end packages or services that they can sell. And those are the most scary to them because they almost have this limiting belief that when it's above a certain number, oh my God, this is so much harder to sell. Like this is not going to work. People aren't going to want it. it. They can't afford it. And we're almost taking the no before we even make the offer because we have a preconceived notion of how someone will respond to it. And I have my own thoughts on that, but I would love to hear yours when it's pricing, how to price things, how to have confidence in how you price things. And when you have these higher ticket offers, why it's so important to know the value that you bring to the table. There's so much to unpack in that and kind of that mindset stuff. And I'm going to say one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they are in that sales process is we do two things that really kind of detract from the relationship and also from the sale is we project our limiting beliefs onto the other person, mm-hmm. you know, because maybe we think, well, I wouldn't, I couldn't afford this, or I don't know that I would invest in this. Well, frankly, you probably wouldn't invest in your own product or service because you already know what you know, but somebody else doesn't know what you know exactly. and they need what it is that you offer. So there's, so projection is a, you know, pretty self-defeating type thing that we do. And the other thing is that we hallucinate. We act as if we can read the mind of the other person and we start making up their objections and we start making up their reasons of why they're not going to buy. And it's a big mistake because the fact of the matter is when you start projecting and hallucinating, oftentimes you start acting as if your product isn't valuable. And then you start feeling like now I've got to convince or now I've got to put some disclaimers around it. I've got to play small a little bit. And all of these things are really detrimental to the sales process. Like I always say, it is not your job to sell somebody what you think they can afford. It is your job to sell somebody what they need. And whatever that is for them, and if that's a $20,000 or a $50,000 package, fine. And if it's a $50 offer, fine. But it's not your job to determine what somebody can afford. It's your job to sell them what they need. And so mm-hmm. the other thing I would say about that too is because I have high ticket sales items and I also have you know my community, which is my sales maven society. And that that is kind of that low ticket item. It's a way for you to really come in and learn, you know, process and structure from me at a pretty low cost, you know, investment. It is no easier to sell that than it is to sell my high ticket item. It takes almost the same amount of work Mm. because people are people and they're still making decisions, right? And so if I'm going to talk to somebody and it turns out that from a conversation, they're a better fit for just a one-off strategy session with me, I'm never going to try to sell them into my private coaching packages. And if it turns out they're really a better fit for the Sales Maven Society, I'm not going to try to sell them something they don't need 
But if they come to me and they're like, oh, you know, I'm struggling. I don't have a lot to invest. But what they're telling me they need, I'm still going to at least position the private coaching if that is the right thing for them. And I, and again, I'll say like, I don't get any more no's. Usually it's not really about the price. It's more about like, are they ready? Like, do they really understand their want, their need, their desire? And have I done a, a good enough job showing them how this is going to deliver, you know, meeting that want, that need, that desire? Absolutely. And so, so often, I mean, there's so much mindset behind this kind of stuff, both for us as the people making the offer and for the people that are receiving it. Do they actually believe in their core, like in their heart of hearts, that they have what it takes to follow through or that they believe it's going to work for them? Because so often people will lean on the objections or the excuses where they say, oh, I don't have the money or Mm -hmm. I don't have the time. But most of the time, that's kind of a cover for a whole other set of issues of, well, I've quit so many times before, I'm probably going to do it again. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, this just isn't going to work for me. I don't have what it takes. And like, those are the underlying things that sometimes you have to peel back the layers of the onion. I just put a blog post out that I'll link in the show notes about overcoming those objections and Mm -hmm. knowing that when you hear certain things, it's not necessarily exactly what's going on and, and understand how you can work with those people in mindset and not try and convince them to do something they don't want to do, like you said, but help them see that it's possible for them. Because when they believe it's possible, when they think they can get that end result that you're sharing, you can give them, that's when you're going to get that conversion. Yeah. I love that you put that out there. And I love the concept of overcoming objections too, because oftentimes when you get an objection, you do need to dig a little and carefully so that it feels respectful to the other person. But you do need to dig a little to make sure, one, that that's their real objection. Because the fact of the matter is, if they really don't have the money, then it's okay to move on to the next client, right? Like sometimes people really don't have the money. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, like you said, there's other things going on. And this comes from my background in neurolinguistic programming is oftentimes people fall into one of three categories. It's hopeless, helpless, or worthless. Mm. And if they're struggling with hopeless, helpless, or worthless, then of course, they're not going to feel like this is possible for me or you know, I'm worth investing in myself or whatever. And so sometimes they do need somebody to believe in them, you know, to show them like, there's a path here. This is the path and I'm going to walk alongside you and I'm going to guide you through it. And here's how, here's how we're going to get you the outcome that you want. Yeah. Are, you, you know, are you willing to take that first step? Because again, they have to be the decision makers. They have to be the person to say, okay, I'm taking this first step. I'm going to have a little bit of faith here in myself and in you that you're going to lead me or guide me through this process. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree with that more. So when you have that person and they're kind of at that fork in the road of making that decision, do you have um, strategies that you can share with us about actually closing them? Like, are there Mm -hmm. certain things to say, to not say, to do, to not do? Like those kind of things that, because I think this is where people get caught up a lot. Like they have the person, they're obviously interested, they're responding, but they're teetering. They haven't, said yes, they haven't said no, they're kind of in that maybe camp. How do you get them in the yes camp? 
Well, one of the things you have to do is you have to get the closing language out of your mouth because some people will not decide to buy from you until you actually ask them. So you need to pose the question so that their brain can give them an answer. And sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes the answer is, I'm not sure yet. Right. And so if it's yes or if it's, I'm not sure yet, there's work to be done there. Right. Well, yes is like, okay, so how do you want to pay for that? That's an easy close. Right. Yeah. But the, the person who's like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm struggling with this or, you know, that or so kind of backing up here a little bit, I feel like I got ahead of myself. One of the things I would say from a strategy, from a structure standpoint, is, and this is something that I do in a, in a discovery, I would say I'm taking notes, right? If I'm doing a discovery call with somebody, I'm taking notes and I'm one of the ways that I do, and this is just the way my brain works, but I'm actually, in addition to writing down some of the things they're saying, I'm writing down ideas of things that I could work with them on. And then I will say, you know, based on everything that we've talked about so far, I already see 10 key areas of things we would work on because I've already written down like 10 concepts or, or strategies or things that I teach. And then I asked their permission. I said, and then, so I say, I already see like 10 key areas that we might work on. Would you be interested in talking about ways that we might work together? Now, if they, if they say no right then, it's, it probably is a no. Like they were just, sometimes people just, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but every once in a while, I'll get somebody on the phone and they'll have initiated the call with me. They'll have initiated the call with me. And it's almost like their way, they want me to validate that they're really good at sales. Like they have no intention on hiring me. They just want to talk to somebody who's a sales expert and validate how good they are at sales. Mm -hmm. So they, they're never going to hire me. Good. I call that bless and release. Like move on, right? Yep. But usually they're going to say, okay, let's talk about ways that we would work together. So then I'm going to lay out my offers or... It might be one offer. It could be up to three. I'd never give more than three ways to work with me because I think you'll overwhelm and confuse your clients if you do that. And then I'll say, now, based on those options, which feels like the best fit for you right now? That's closed language. And when you say to somebody, which feels like the best fit for you right now? And I'm emphasizing that here. Don't emphasize it when you say it to somebody, but I'm emphasizing it here because it's known as an embedded command. It is at a really nice way saying, make a decision. Mm. And then it'll allow for them to go, well, I'm more interested in this or that objection will bubble to the surface. Like, I really do want to do this, but I'm struggling with the time. I'm just not sure I can commit to the time. Well, now you know, okay, we think you kind of know what the objection is, maybe, but we got to check it out. So I would say, so you're struggling with the time. What aspect about time feels like the struggle? I'm going to ask them, like, because just taking like time as an answer, I can, again, hallucinate what that means, but I need to ask them what that means to them. Because maybe what it means to them is I have a really busy week this week, but I could start next week. Or it means I don't know how I could ever fit this into my schedule. Well, then we might talk about those things, but I have to really understand what the real objection is first. So when you get an objection, get really curious, ask questions and see what they'll share with you. Because a lot of times they're not even sure what the real objection is yet. And until we talk it through, then they'll start to go, oh, well, you know, maybe if you're, if we're only talking about two or three hours a month, I could see where I could fit this in here. Great. 
So now based on that, are you ready to move forward? I'm going to go in for the close again Mm. and see what they say. And if they say yes, great. And if they're like, oh, you know, I feel like I need to talk to my significant other before I make this commitment, which is a really common one, right? Right. I, I always say in those moments, I always say, great. When do you think you'll have that conversation? Let's go ahead and schedule a circle back call. That way I can answer any additional questions that come up after that conversation. And then we can decide at that point about working together. And I, I get that, that on my calendar right then and there. I never let somebody off the phone who's going to think about it or talk to someone else without offering a circle back call. Because if you don't offer a circle back call, they may, they may never have that conversation with their significant other, or they may never take the time to think about it. And ultimately, again, back to kind of where we started here, it's your job to deliver what they need and what they want. And if you don't help them, if you don't move them through the process and make it easy for them to make decisions, oftentimes they'll stay stuck in their life. Yeah. I love that. This I feel like anyone listening needs to go back and kind of, if you're you know doing something while you're listening, go back when you're not doing something and take some notes on that because it, you give such tactical approaches. Let me digress here for a minute. I couldn't even wait for my voice to come back to tell you guys about this because I know if you're listening to the show, you're exactly what I would call a maverick. You're this unorthodox, independent-minded go-getter that's not particularly interested in coloring inside the lines, if you know what I mean. And there's evidence of that too, because if you're running a business or a brand, it's because you had this calling on your heart and you had this desire to do something of your own and breathe life into that dream and that mission. But you also know that there's this other level for you and that mission that you have on your heart. Don't you know that? Like you feel it in your gut. I know because I did, but in the middle of all this hustling and building and scaling, I was asking myself, is all this hustle, is this for something bigger? Is this ever going to be different? Am I ever going to build something that's actually scalable and that gets me towards my vision? It wasn't until the year I joined my very first mastermind and group coaching program. All of a sudden, after joining that, I went from trying to figure it out on my own and hoping that my next idea would work while I took on more one-on-one coaching clients despite having no time left in the day. And then I went to creating a business and a brand that was finally making its impact. And in this mastermind, I had access to a coach, someone guiding me through the process who was totally invested in me and my mission. And it was like the meeting of the minds. They brought together all these other maverick thinkers to bring value to the group to mastermind with each other, to lift each other up, to hold each other accountable, and to give us that fast-tracked process, like the strategy, the know-how of what we needed to move things forward. Wouldn't that be amazing to finally feel like you're not just pulling it from everywhere and trying to piece it together over the course of five, ten years and wasting all this money and time, but you're doing it now. You're seeing the results. You're making the impact. You're making the income. So if you're this solopreneur, you're a one-man show or someone with a few contracted people on your team that you use for different things, or you're starting to generate income and you've grown your income a bit, but you know there's a better way of doing this, or you're an influencer, but you rely way too much on social media, which can shut you down at any minute, and you rely on your following, but it's not actually getting you paid well enough, or it's just brand deal after brand deal, or you're the service-based business like I used to be with no scalable offers that are going to help you grow 
past this plateau, you feel stuck, but you have these big, and I am talking stupid big dreams you want to make happen. I feel you. I was you. And I know that I can help you because I did it myself. So I usually keep it behind closed doors, invite only, very selective, but I've had enough of you connect asking how they can be a part of this, how you can channel into some of the things that I've been doing behind the scenes with other people to help them see the success and the growth in their impact, in their influence, in their income, in their freedom of time. So I thought about it and I prayed about it and I decided that if I had the solution to a struggle that I've personally experienced and I know other people are going through, it's hard to scale a business on your own and turn this vision into a reality. I had to share with people, my people, and that's you guys. So this is literally for you. My Maverick Mastermind and Group Coaching Accelerator. It's going to be locked and loaded and designed to be that launching pad for you to build the business that supports your craziest, wildest dreams. Not just winging it, not just hustling, building the business strategically that's getting you where you want to go, like now. But here's the catch, because I feel, and I've always kind of felt this way, I feel really strongly about pouring into each maverick that's a part of this movement. So I limit my spots very much so, hence my hesitation of sharing it here. And let me put the disclaimer on it, this isn't for people who haven't started yet or haven't put their wheels in motion in any capacity. This is for the Mavericks who have something established and are ready to go to the next level. The next level in their business, in their lives, have the breakthroughs that they've never had before, feel clarity in their mission, their branding, and walk through my scaling up method that's totally proprietary to this group alone. So if that's you, or if you had someone pop into your head when you're listening to this and you're like, Okay, my best friend, my sister, my spouse, they're kicking butt, but they need help. Make sure you get over to the application page or send them over to it. We'll be hand-selecting applicants. You don't want to miss the opportunity to make this next year the year that actually changes everything. So you can find that application over at elizabethhartke.com forward slash mastermind underscore maverick. That's elizabethhartke.com forward slash mastermind underscore maverick. And there will be a link in the show notes for you too. I cannot wait to get started with this group. This is going to be the most epic 2020. I just had to share it with you despite my raspy little laryngitis voice. So let's get back to the show. While we're on this topic of objections, we we kind of conquered like the time, uh, not sure about what my spouse or significant other might say. Are there any tactics when you get the price objection that you Mm. utilize because I feel like that's another really common one and I almost think people say it sometimes to test us like I think you could tell them any price some of the time for certain people and they will object to it it's almost like a are you willing to change that price or this is my habit of objecting to a price and being fearful because of my own money mindset issues so what about price stuff So price stuff, there's a couple tactical things here around price. One is that when you talk about your price, here's what you do. You say, the price is, and then you say the price. You don't put any qualifiers in front of price because if you say today's price is or your price is or the special price is, that all implies that there could be other prices. Mm -hmm. So then you're prompting them to want to ask. So that's one thing. Always talk about your prices, the prices, and say your price. And when they say like, oh, well, 
yeah, is, I don't know, that feels like a lot for me. So I'm, again, I'm going to get really curious. So when you say that feels like a lot for you, is it the idea of like paying for it all up front? If we had an opportunity to talk about payment plans, would that be something you feel more inclined to want to talk about? Notice I don't even go into any of those things. I'm just giving options. Like, do you want to do this? Is it this? Because if you go right into if they object and then you go, well, I have a payment plan and it's this and this and this. Now it sounds like you're trying to convince. But if you say, I have payment plans and if that's something you'd like to talk about, we could certainly do that. I will tell you, I I mean... I wish I had like an actual like specific number about this of how many times somebody has said like something about price to me and I will say I do have payment plan options if that's something you're interested in we could talk about that and they'll say tell me about the payment plan and I tell them and then they go I'm just going to pay in full. <laughs> I, I are so funny with money. And they are I would say that's it's at least 50% of the time but it's probably more that they just pay me in full because they want they just needed to talk it through, right? Mm-hmm. Or somebody else has said to me like, "Oh, price, I'm not really sure. I know I want to do this, but I'm feeling hesitant." And then we start, "Okay, so is it the initial, you know, upfront price or what part of about pricing is feeling uncomfortable for you in some way?" And then they'll say, "Well, you know, I'm just not really sure like would I give you a credit card for that? Or like, could I mail you a check? Yes. To both of those, like which feels like the better option for you. Mm -hmm. Well, if you'll put it on a credit card, that'd be great. Okay. So their objection really wasn't about price. Their objection was, I'm not sure how to pay you. Mm -hmm. And you need to answer that. The other thing too is, and again, like being really candid here, if the objection is, price and they're just trying to get you to give them some type of a discount. I always say to somebody, if they ask me for a discount, I always say, I appreciate you asking. My price is this and I don't offer discounts on it. And I'd love to work with you. Is that something you're interested in moving forward on? Mm-hmm. I just ask them for the clothes again. Yeah. Because again, like you said, it's almost like they're it's ingrained, right? They feel like they have to do it. Because we live in a society where things go on sale. I mean, how many emails did you get this morning about some sale, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's constant. And so it is kind of that underlying thing of like, should I test the waters? Like, should I ask for a discount? And be okay if somebody asks you for a discount. I actually consider that a huge buying signal. And I'm totally okay with saying no. (laughs) I'm also okay with saying yes. You can have a discount when you sign up for a year-long program. And here's how you get it. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, right? Right. Or sometimes when people ask me about trainings, like, well, we'd really like to, you know, pay you this amount. Great. If you're willing to hire me for 10 trainings and we do them over Zoom, I can match that price if I want to do that. Do you ever create any sense of urgency? Like you hear that a lot in sales, like you have to create some kind of deadline or urgency because people will think about it for a lifetime. What do you do for that? So I do it a couple different ways. If it's in a one-on-one conversation, I don't always do it because it's like we're on the phone. Although there is some time where I do think it might be beneficial that you could say, when you sign up today, if when you sign up before the end of this call, here, so maybe it's not a discount. Like maybe I'll do a bonus. Sure. I, I actually prefer to do a bonus than a like. Here's the bonus that you'll get. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually mail you the you know, VIP manual or whatever it is. So I might use that to create a sense of urgency. So it's okay, I think, to throw something in if that's the 
the case. But again, if the hesitation is, I really don't have the money, then there's no point in trying to, again, try to like, well, what if I gave you a bonus? And they're like, I don't have the money. Right. Okay, great. Like, yeah. Yeah. I get the point. Yeah. 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 Like I'm not going to try and twist your arm. So what yeah. about the people? These, these ones are tough and maybe you use the same kind of strategy as like the follow-up call, but the people who don't give you a specific excuse, they don't say like, oh, that's a lot of money or I don't know if I have the time. They're like, okay, great. Thank you for the info. And then they kind of just are like, I'll get back to you. Or I just need to think about that. Those are the tricky ones to me. And sometimes from my experience, and this could be because could be because I don't have the right clothes for this category of person, that's usually an indicator to me that they're not gonna buy. You know, that they're just kind of surfing and and searching and seeing what's out there. But like that's my evidence that they're not interested, but I could be wrong. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. So I probably would ask, like if I get, if we have a great call and I can already tell there are things that I can help this person with and they're like, okay, great. Thanks. Thanks for the information. And they haven't initiated any conversation around working together. I would say, now before you go, let me ask you, are you interested in us working together? Mm, I like Like that. I would just ask. I think most people who know me and who have worked with me will say like, Nikki, I tend to be fairly soft in my approach because that's just the nature of my personality. And so I'm not aggressive, but I will say things that sometimes people go like, oh, I could never say that. And I go, yes, you can. It's how you say it. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not the words, it's how you say it. And if you say it from a place of interest, curiosity, if you say it from a place of like, let's just get this out, let's, let's figure this out. Because again, if the answer is like, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get, don't call me, I'll call you kind of response, right? Then I also let those people go. I, again, bless and release. I don't believe in chasing clients. I think if you chase after people who haven't given you any indication that they're interested in hiring you in some way, they turn into toddlers. And I know you have little ones. And if you say to your little one, like, oh, I'm going to chase you, right? Like they go, they start running. It becomes mm-hmm. a game. Right. And I don't think you need to make a game out of the chase with clients or prospects. So if that was the case, if I get a sense that this person really is kind of in a like the camp of like, don't call me, I'll call you, then I say this. If and when you're ready to work together, I would love to earn your business. So in the meantime, you know, I wish you well and you're welcome to reach out to me when you're ready. Yeah. And that's again my like nice way of saying, like, here's the ball, you own it. I'm not gonna chase you. Mm-hmm. And it it releases that feeling in your gut when you have that scenario and your mind is still set on trying to convince them and mm-hmm. then you get off the phone and you they're on your mind and that <laughs> means your mind's not on the people who are ready to work with you and it's distracting and it's limiting your business potential. I agree 100% with what you said. I try to not clutter my mind with people who are maybe going to buy someday. Now, like you, you know, you're putting out amazing content every week. People people can stay engaged with you through your podcast. And if they just want to be podcast listeners, you know, for two years or whatever, and then they're ready to hire you, great. There's still a way for them to have some kind of connection to you. The way I do it is I put out a weekly sales tip and people read my newsletter and 
that's my way of kind of staying engaged with them. Or they can unsubscribe, right? They can stop listening to your podcast. They can unsubscribe to my newsletter and not get the tip. And if they're just done with me and that's okay. Like, again, it's okay for people to not be the right fit for you or to come back at some point later down the line. So it's not like you're not still giving them an opportunity to stay engaged with you in some way, but you don't need to actively spend time of like, okay, should I call them today? Or like, should I send them an email? Or I don't know, could I come up with some special offer for them? It's like, you know, if you want to put out a special offer to your, to your list, by all means, please do that. But spending a bunch of time worrying and trying to figure out how am I going to get this person to like finally understand how awesome I am and how I'm going to make a difference in their life and get them to pay me money, you're, you're probably not focused on the right things. Yep. Totally agree. So what's your favorite part about selling? Like, what is it that totally, you know, you're obviously passionate about it. So what is it that keeps you passionate about selling? Well, for me, what I'm, the reason I'm so passionate about selling and the relationship side of sales, the conversation piece is when people make that decision. Yes. Like I, I totally get that you have something here for me. And whether it's that they're doing it to work with me or whether they're doing it to hire one of my clients, it's the idea that people's lives continue to get better as a result Mm -hmm. and that they have a really great experience. I always want people to leave feeling like, I'm so glad I talked to Nikki today, right? Like I feel good about having had that conversation and regardless of the outcome, which hopefully is a good one for, for both involved, but I want them to feel really good about it. And to me, that's just a way of like continuing to put out that really good energy into the universe and make it easy for people to thrive and prosper in their life. Well, I feel really good about our conversation today. Okay, good. I know that our listeners will be better off for it too. So you're, you're certainly living up to your, your hope of why you're so passionate about selling. So I just have a last couple questions for you. Who has been an inspiration in this journey for you in entrepreneurship, in what you do? It could be people close in your life, in your inner circle, or mentors that you've had, or people that you've kind of learned from from a distance that don't even know, you know you're on the planet, like anyone <laughs> in that realm. I feel really blessed in that I've had a lot of amazing mentors in my life. My sales mentor who passed away about a year and a half ago, which was a huge loss for me. Um, his name was Russ Short. And he was always, he was just, I never made a big like decision about my career without him. He really, he taught, and he was actually, he was never my boss. He just was always a mentor to me and taught me so much about sales and about the way that people engage with you. And then, you know, on the entrepreneurial journey, I've just had these amazing, like I said, mentors. Julie Fry, who runs Business Among Moms, has been one of the most influential people in my life. And I'm not even a mom, but she's just this amazing connector. And she's brought into my life Natalie Ekdahl of Biz Chicks, who I just am in awe of and feel really honored to call Natalie a friend now as a result of the connection that Julie made. So there's just been really amazing people in my life as a result. Well, you attract that, I think. So I hope so. Yeah. So last question for you, resources. Like a lot of people will want to know, okay, what books did she read to learn this? What conferences did she (laughs) attend? Like, are there any that stick out to you, podcasts you've listened to that are just like, okay, if you're looking to grow in this area, you've got to check out XYZ. I will tell you one of my favorite 
like sales books. And I'm wondering, because I feel like maybe we'll see if you know this one, but it feels like this might be some of your language, but I love the book, The Go-Giver. Have you read that book? It's right behind me. It's (laughs) one of my absolute favorites and what I use to mentor people all the time. I'm not surprised because when I was reading your, like reading about you and, you know, finding out more about you, I was like, I feel like she's got to know this. So The Go-Giver is probably my favorite like sales book because it's so focused on relationship. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, conferences, I do love to attend conferences. I think it's really important. I speak at a lot of conferences, but I also attend conferences as an attendee. Mm-hmm. And I get so much out of conferences. So the two that for this year, my big conferences, I just came back from The Flipped Lifestyle with Shane and Jocelyn Sams. And it was unbelievably amazing, the content that they they delivered and the contacts that I made in the room. And then I am headed to Biz Chicks live here in a couple next week. And I'll be on a panel there. But I bought my ticket planning to go as, as an attendee. And I spoke at that conference last year. And I just have met just amazing women. So I love conferences and I think you should attend them and get out of your get out of your backyard. Like don't just attend conferences in your local area, depending on where you live. Maybe that's not even possible, but get out of your backyard and go meet people that are doing amazing things that are coming in from around the world to attend conferences. I totally agree. I, my goal is always two a year. I mean, we're in a crazy season with the babies, but we've stuck to that because it's even if it means all of us going as a family and me sneaking away for the conference during the day, because there's so much value in being fully immersed in that environment. And I guess I, I fooled you. It wasn't my last question. My last question is where can people come find you? Cause I know after this, they'll want to follow you and learn from you. Thank you so much. This is, I'll give your audience a a free gift and it's a way to find me if that's okay. So I would love to gift you my book, uh, my ebook on closing the sale. And you can find it at yoursalesmaven.com and maven is M-A-V-E-N.com forward slash S-U-P for scaling up podcast. So that's That's great. And I'll link that in the show notes too. Thank you. Awesome. Well, this has been like gold. Gold, gold, gold. And no matter where our listeners are in their journey, whether they're just starting to put their toe out and get a taste of entrepreneurship or they're full-fledged entrepreneurs and this is what they do full-time and they're looking to scale their businesses, this is just such precious information. So thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your wisdom and your tactics and tips. And I'm very excited for this to get into the hands of our listeners. So thank you again, Nikki. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media, Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, 
Take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.